Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Drifting Prime, and I am your host, Gerald Hernandez, and this week's guest is Eddie Zapata. Uh, this is our first episode back for the 2020 year season, whatever. Um, I actually tried to get Eddie on a while ago, and he's one of those cool guys that are way too busy, but uh, glad we waited. It was a good show. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you. What's up, man? How's everything? Good, man. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been been busy working and doing everything. Dude, I bet. I know. Same here, man. Work, and then I just barely this weekend finally started poking at the car again. So Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I put a dash bar <laughs> in today, so. Dash bar? Yeah, nice. I didn't. Ha- well, I tacked it in. It's not, like, in there for good. Uh, I never had one from the previous yeah. owner, so I was like, I gotta, I want to get one in there. Yeah. But nice. So, uh, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself, sir, what your name is, what you drive, where you drive. Yes, uh, my name's Eddie Zapata. I drive a Ford Mustang, a 2000 Ford Mustang in the Drift League over in uh, Southern California. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much it. Um, I got a Pro Am comp car that uh, I use for the Drift League. Um, Take out for fun every once in a while. I haven't done a lot of driving lately. It's been catching up from holidays and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty much that. Um, happy to be on your show. Thank you. I know I try to get you on sooner, but you were uh, too busy. Oh, always busy, man. Well, I work nights, so. Oh, shit, really? It's kind of a hard thing. Yeah, yeah, I work uh, work at our aerospace company, so I, I work uh, that second shift. It's uh like two thirty to one in the morning, so it's kind of kind of oh. hard to hit me in the evenings. <laughs> oh damn, that's uh, I know I work a normal job, so <laughs> you know, yeah. wake up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes I miss that life, but I don't know. I like I like sleeping in past ten. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my girlfriend works uh, PM shift as well, and that's probably like when she wakes up every morning, but she doesn't get home till like midnight. So oh, I'm wow. like, must be nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'd probably be more yes. productive. Yeah, I I want to say I'm productive um, at times, but there's some times where I'm just like, dude, I just want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. And then I, you know how it is having a kid. Yep. Um, my and then your kid's younger, so it's a lot more work. Yeah, a lot more work. He wakes me up. He's like, hey, I'm hungry. Yeah, mine makes his own that. cereal now. <laughs> I'm like, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's nice. Yeah. My, mine's get like, uh, I want cookies. It's like, do you need food? Do you need breakfast? Um, can I have granola bar? Like, no, you need cereal, man. Come on, <laughs> cereal, egg, whatever I can make them, you know, food. But yeah, he's he wants junk food all the time. It's like, dude, you gotta eat food. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But uh, so what's up with uh your current car? What do you got all done to that thing? Um, uh, the current car, it's a 2000 Mustang Bullet. It is an actual legit bullet chassis because I've had so many people be like, "Well, oh, it's not a bullet," and I'm like. The chassis is an original bullet. It's still got the um, uh, the highly highland green in the trans tunnel, which I left out there for uh, you know proof. <laughs> but the car itself, it's got a four valve swap. It's a Terminator bottom end uh, with uh, four valve ported Navi heads, uh, some Kurgan Motorsports cams, uh, ported uh, short runner manifold. It's got a biggest thing on it though. People see is a, a Vortec JT trim. Uh, uh, V7 supercharger that's what makes all the power on this thing 
Yeah, the thing. And how much power are you making again? This car right now turned down. We're making 700 horsepower on 14 pounds of boost. There's about another 100, maybe a little bit more in it. But I figure don't need, for Pro-Am, you don't need more than that. You know, we try to turn it down. It's got, like, no timing in it. It's, it's pretty, pretty turned down. Like, I mean, it's to the point where I'm wondering, like, if the car sometimes on the bigger tires doesn't want to do it, wants to do down low because it, I think the timing's so so turn down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so turn down and make 700 horsepower. Uh, that's wheel horsepower. So, I mean, you know, crank it's a lot more. Um, the car is pretty much all fiberglass except for the uh, the doors. That's the only metal pieces left on it. Um, you know, we got carbon fiber hood and trunk on it. Um, trying to think what else. We got a Duncan Motorsports massive design ankle kit is what we use on ours. Um the car rides on fuel suspension 442s. They've Baller. been a big help. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, that's funny. We'll get to that. But uh, yeah, everybody's like, Baller. No, you know, it's just, uh, that's part of the good relationships I've had, uh, which I know we're going to get to on that in a minute. Uh, right now, the car is on Falcon Towers, but for next season, there might be a change. Uh, Trying to think. What else? I mean, that's that's pretty much it. You know, T56 transmission, I still got a, a nice little goodie to add to that. I have not done it yet. <laughs> That's one of the off-season things I'm going to get to is a S1 shifter. And, uh, yeah, just an 8.8 IRS uh, swap in the back. Mm. I think that by a rear-mounted radiator like every Pro-Am drift car. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I did mine just for, like, weight distribution, and it still didn't help a whole lot, so... And it still you gets gotta... fucking hot. Oh, does it? Well, I have shitty fans on there. I have, I bought like a yeah. kit from Summit. It was like a quote unquote LS swap kit with fans, and I'm sure it would do fine like on a street car. But when it's in the back yeah. where it gets like no airflow, uh, it's yeah. trash. Oh man. Yeah. So I'm gonna. Yeah, it's airflow is kind of a, a a touchy subject, and honestly, I think not just airflow. I mean, I think airflow can go either way because I don't know if you've seen some of the, the pro cars. If you look at Chelsea Denofa and Vaughn Jr.'s cars, if you look at the vents for their airflow, they're tiny. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people really notice that. I see cars like, uh, you know, Odie's and James Dean. Their cars are, are the back windows cut open. There's a lot of room. You can stick your hands in there. It seems like an, a lot of air goes in there. They don't have any air heating problems. But you look at like Vaughn Gittin and Chelsea Denofa's Mustangs, for instance. The reason why I bring these up is the vents. Um, and what I see, I don't think I think they don't run window vents anymore. But in the back window, it's just a small little section, like a rectangular section, real small. You can probably fit like not even a football in there. It's it's small, uh, maybe a tennis ball, and it's all they have for ducting. But one thing I think that people underestimate a lot is the type of fans and how you exit that hot air out of the car. Getting the hot air out of the car is kind of a crucial thing. But having the fans to pull and move the airs is the other crucial thing that a lot of people, I think, overlook. So I think a, a good a good setup with some good fans and a good exit strategy for to move that air, I think, is kind of what everybody misses the point on a rear radiator when setting it up. Yeah, like I have mine set up like pretty poorly. It's just in the back with like a big old window open. <laughs> And yeah. like, but there's no there's nothing to like force the air or to help even guide the air through the radiator. So I have like this okay, big old opening. 
So it, okay. So it just goes around the radiator because that's gonna, it's going to take the yeah. path of least resistance and uh, and it's not yeah, going through the radiator. That's another thing too. Um, like on my my car specifically, um, we I ducted it so there there's basically a wall around the the radiator. The air only way for the air once it goes down in there is it has to go through the radiator. It's pulled in through the fans because I, I have two small twelve inch puller fans. Um, so the air has really nowhere else to go. When you have the sides open, I learned that like my first rear mount radiator set up in my other car. Um, it got hot. I actually drove it on the street to a car show when I first put it together. And, you know, I figured, oh, I, I'll have, I don't have windows in the car. The air can just go through the sides. And I think got hot. Yeah. I had some cheap fans on it. And, and I, I learned real fast just driving it to Knott's Berry Farm for the Fabulous Sports Show. You know, on the freeway, the thing got hot. I had to run the heater in the car and keep the temps down and i was oh, like this damn. is not good so i i went back to the drawing board started doing some research talked to a few people and started realizing ducting is very very important directing the air and forcing it through the radiators is real important you know along with some good fans if you have good really good fans you can probably almost get away with it but realistically i always way i look at it is, is just do it the right it way seems to come, it seems to come down to the fans like if you don't have like if you don't want to do the ducting correctly, you can just put like real big fans on it. It seems as long as it has somewhere to pull air from. <coughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, the exactly. fans do most of the work, from my understanding. Yeah, the fans are critical. I think a lot of people underestimate the fans, and, and I've kind of learned, you know, working in Formula D with a couple, you know, with Odie um, and Nate, the the fan thing's pretty pretty crucial, and. You don't need to go get some big baller ass fans, but you don't want to cheap out on it either. And uh, the reason I use spalls, that's what we used. We used a pretty common fan that they that they uh, sell. It's a uh, twelve inch puller fan. We use two of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, the puller, it's a paddle blade style, so it's five blades, and they move a lot of air. They don't move the most air, you know. Like I think that's the other thing too is people will jump for the fans that move the most air. And, and you know that's great and all, but I, I think too it it's just getting something that works that you know works. And, and these fans are they work, so I went with that direction. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm. I need to find some fans. Hopefully, I can. I'm on a budget this year, a major budget. So, <laughs> well, hopefully, I can find some used ones. That some <laughs> guy just decided to up, buy new ones. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, those small fans—they're really good. I think you can get them on Summit for like a hundred and twelve bucks. I mean, oh, that's not terrible. Oh, I can have. Yeah, I yeah, can yeah. handle that. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah. I want to see. They're like 112, 120 tops, and and I want to say I bought some on Summit recently for my Cobra because I I put a bunch of fans on that thing. Oh, okay. Um, I thought they were like way more expensive. Honestly. Nah, dude. These ones, these ones last. I want to say I paid like one twelve per fan, and you just need two. So, dude, that's not bad. I'll probably do that then. No, I th- I was thinking like yeah. they were gonna be like, because I have a uh, another friend of mine who's in the Cadillac, but he has um, he has the radiator mounted like uh, flat in the back. Yeah. So and he just has two fans, but there's like no airflow. Like if you saw a setup, it's really concerning. And uh, he he has no problems overheating. He's pushing like 1,200 horsepower, but he's in a drag car, so it's a little different, but. Still, I thought that was yeah, kind of questionable. Yeah, no, that is different. Um, but like I said, good fans can overcome the amount of airflow. It, it's a matter of 
pulling uh, hot, you know, pulling cold air through and, and moving, pushing the hot air out. Um, that's kind of a big thing that people just don't really look at. You know, if you look at a lot of the cars in FD, the the backs are cut out. You know, the trunks are cut open. You know, they might use mesh to make it look pretty, but um, it's just getting the air out of there, dude, and, and pulling that air through. If you're not getting a big open white duck of air through it, that's not the end of the world. I mean, people use little those NACA duck vents, you know, through the windows, and that tends to be enough, believe it or not. I think what happens is a lot of people try to over-engineer their idea, you know, uh, when they do it. And there's really not a lot to do. It's just common basics, you know, of the rear mount radiator to yeah. make it work. Hmm. I will have to uh, look into these fans now. Cause I was yeah, thinking I, like that, I said, uh, need to that. Please do, cause I was thinking like, shit, man, I'm not gonna <laughs> be able to. Like, that's that's affordable. Um, yeah. And then I'm like at the crossroads of like, do I just kind of like slowly piece this thing back together and not even compete this season, um, and actually like build it right, or then I end up in that whole predicament of overbuilding your car, and yeah, then getting yeah. no seat time. So it's like shit. No seat time. Yeah. Which which yeah, you know I mean, a lot about right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot about and. It's funny because I have a lot of friends that joke about that. I was like, I don't see you guys out here trying. So, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so people could talk all they want because half the time it's people who don't even drive. They, they drift on Forza. Or, you know, that other <laughs> well, set of a lot more drifting gig. than I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> yeah, a, a simulator. Simulators are cool. I honestly, preferably, I want to get a simulator, but I don't want to rely on that to be like, oh, it's going to make me a better driver. You know, like, that's just I, I feel like you can't get anything better than hands-on real drifting like than actually being inside the car on the track you know a simulator is cool like that'd be a simulator would be great for me i can get home at one in the morning you know i'm not going to go to any track at one in the morning obviously yeah i'm not going to park my drift car in, in the neighborhood at one in the morning <laughs> so a simulator would be dope you know just to kind of yeah I, I guess you know you keep your hands fresh you know around the wheel but i i I can't look at it as be like, oh, that's my only, my only practice, and then I just go to the track. Like I, I want to go get more seat time. I, I bought an extra car to get seat time, and, and unfortunately, I haven't. I'm missing one more aspect, but uh, you know, I, I got a diff. I welded it. Um, it's just a little 200 horsepower 96 GT. It's basically the same chassis. Doesn't have any steering angle. Um, the only thing I want to add is a handbrake now. But it's just got a welded diff and, you know, measly little 200 horsepower. Probably less than that. It's probably like 180, 190. Are, are those disc or a drum in the rear? They are disc. Um, oh, everything okay. from 90, 94 and up was disc. So, I was yeah, like, man, you're going to do an inline handbrake with some drum brakes? Sick. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, uh, it already has a dual caliper setup that came with the axle. So Oh, shit, really? I, I have everything. Yeah, nice. yeah, I have the calipers. I have everything. I, I literally just need to go buy a handbrake, and I was trying to get one from Justin Pollock, but I haven't heard back from him. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, he's he's got a nice fancy one. I was thinking of putting that in my drift car and taking the one the ASD one out of the drift car and putting that in the, the 96, but um, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the last thing I need for that car. You know, I was going to take it out without a handbrake, but honestly, the, the the handbrake that comes factory in the Mustangs, they suck. They do not work for shit. Oh, really? Yeah, they just, they don't work. They they hold your car from rolling 
sometimes <laughs> if you're parked on an incline you might want to put it in gear even putting like fresh drums in there and uh tightening it up just wouldn't fresh do pads and yeah, yeah one of the big problems is, is the sliders they, they rust up and actually when i got this car the handbrake didn't work at all the car would roll on an incline so i yeah. took the drum uh, the rear the rear disc brakes apart the um the sliders and yeah they're all rusted in seas so i i cleaned them up really good greased them up and now the handbrake actually works it won't it won't work good enough to slide the car, but it will keep the car from rolling down the driveway. <laughs> That's helpful. So, yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, handbrake is definitely something I want to do on that car, and, and I feel like that's it. Everybody's, you know, asking me to put angle on it. I say, yeah, eventually, but I don't. Same thing. I'll probably put uh, like a stage one angle kit from from Duncan, just because it's it's simple. It's nothing crazy. Doesn't require a bunch of stuff, and and I don't want to put a ton of angle into it yet. I want to have that car be harder to drive than my comp car, you know, that might make you, like every said, it makes you a better driver. Yeah. That's, see, that's why I want to get like a base model, um, CTS. Cause they made a few yeah. with uh, a manual transmission and it only has like 200 horsepower, but the, just the only yeah. downside is that thing weighs like 3,500 <laughs> pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Weight, weight's a pretty big thing. I mean, you could probably get one and, and gut it down a lot, but I'm sure it's still pretty heavy at that point. Oh, for sure. But uh, yeah, my my current car, my comp car is thirty. I want to say thirty three, thirty four hundred pounds. Without you, in it? with uh, I think it's thirty two or thirty three without me. So I, I want to say yeah, it's it's around. I think when we checked, I think it's around thirty five with me in it or something like. That. Holy hell! A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people thought this car was like three thousand pounds, and and honestly, the car was uh thirty one hundred pounds, but when I added. When I switched from the solid axle to the IRS, I added some weight. I did add a second battery to the car. Why? Uh, it's some more weight. Uh, second battery, I was running a little Odyssey battery, you know, a little golf cart-looking batteries. Yeah. And the car was struggling to start sometimes when it'd sit. I have a kill switch on the car, everything, but sometimes it would be, you know, if I didn't touch it for like a month or two, I'd have to go and charge it. And um, just, to, just to, you know, I added a second battery just – Working around when I was working around with like Odie, uh, when he had two batteries in his car, I saw that car could sit for like three, four months and he could just go turn the kill switch on and bam, it fire right up. It was just like, that's nice because sometimes I go a long time without touching my car, you know, and uh, having that peace of mind of being able to to just start the car, you know, whenever I want is nice. Um I was basically going to buy a battery for the car, you know, at that point when the Odyssey wasn't really doing its job. And I thought, why not just add a second battery? Because Odyssey wasn't bad. It's just if I let it sit for, you know, a month or two, then it would the car would crank, but wouldn't be enough to start it sometimes. Yeah. So I figured, you know, that was my reasoning for adding a, an Optima full-size battery in there. Uh, I put it behind the rear passenger seat, you know, to help with the weight distribution. Um, so... When we scaled the car the first time, um, that was one of the things I noticed I needed to put some more weight on that side. So that was kind of another thing I thought of. But um, yeah, I have two batteries just just because it's just nice being able to have the car start after three months of sitting, per se. Um, usually it doesn't sit that long lately, but just that peace of mind. Uh, going, you know, in Driftly, you know, when you're at a comp, you're, you're turning the car on and off a lot that day. Yep. Uh, you know anything that can drain the battery i'm real critical of that i just i'd rather have the peace of mind with a second battery 
Yeah. That's kind of my need about it. You know, like I said, I don't have two full size batteries, but I have two batteries. I grabbed a uh, a blue top uh, Optima, the marine batteries, for yep. that exact reason. Because I was like, oh, well, okay. if it's made for a fucking boat that starts like three times a year, then yeah. I'm sure it's gonna do just fine, and it hasn't failed me yet. So uh, yeah, it, not gonna change not- it. Yeah, I'm not a pro on batteries. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, that's, you know, blah, blah, blah about the batteries. But I know the the blue tops are good for stuff like that. And, you know, when I was looking at batteries for my car, one of the things I look at is, you know, I'm sure everybody does is cranking amps and cold cranking amps. Um, So I just try to follow that. But, yeah, I thought about getting a yellow top or a blue top. I ended up just getting a red top for the car. It's just yeah, I figure with the other battery, the red top should be fine. But uh, yeah, I, I thinking about getting a blue top for my my trailer for my winch, as I know that's good for that. <laughs> so yeah, definitely the blue tops are good. I just I, at the time I think it was pretty expensive and I didn't want to get that for a battery. <laughs> yeah, I think I spent like 160 bucks for it in like 2016. So still, I put it in a Jeep actually, and it's still chugging chugging along. That's good. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> you're actually not just you've you've kind of been in the car scene for a while and also worked in it. Um, yes. If you want to kind of like touch base on that, because I know that you actually have a lot. Uh, you work with a lot of people, and so this way people can kind of understand where you're coming from, which kind of helps when you work in the biz, so to speak. Yeah. So I I came from. Um, you know, coming out of high school, you know, I was always in the cars and stuff. And I, I eventually found my way into the motorsports world of jobs. And I was working at a shop in uh, Rancho Cucamonga called GTR High Performance. They're, uh, I'm going to say this, they're still the best Mustang shop on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, those guys are a ton of, ton of work. They, they got a, a big shop and a lot of techs and a lot of, uh, cars that go through there and, and you know, all kinds of builds, you know, cars that come in for simple lowering springs and intake, cars that come in for a full motor and trans build, you know, like pretty much everything. So when I was working there, I was there, uh, you know, I started off with little things. And eventually I was the guy who was doing all the clutch jobs and doing all the motor swaps, pulling all the motors, you know, do, doing the big jobs. The only thing I really didn't do there was was the dyno. I didn't run the dyno because uh, obviously the, the main guy ran it. But um so coming from that industry, I worked there long enough to develop some relationships with uh, some companies that they, they worked with at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I started coming. I coming. I came from a drag racing background. I did a lot of street racing. You know, like a stupid little kid, as you know, as always. Every every kid goes through that phase. <laughs> and uh, so you know, I, I kind of got out of the street racing when I was there because um, they were into like autocross and stuff like that. So when I oh, wanted okay. to, hey, I want to build a car for turning and stuff um you know i did what i could you know my, one of my big things was always looking for good deals and you know everybody's gonna look for a good deal but um what i did was you know i had worked there for so long and developed relationships with uh you know people you know we're at vortex superchargers uh, torque oil uh mcleod racing those companies for example um i've known the guys long enough there and uh you know, when it came time where I wanted to, you know, get some stuff for the car, you know, I talked with these guys. I had a good relationship. I said, hey, you know, what do I got to do? Um, 
and basically just you know took that approach. It was a business relationship. It was already built um, from just the business. So it's like, oh hey, you got a race car? Oh, you wanna you wanna run our product? You know, here this is what we can do for you. I'm like me, I'm not gonna be one. When a company is willing to do something for you, I'm not gonna really sit there and question it. Um, and you know, at the time, those deals were were great. They were screaming deals, and I jumped all over them. I know a lot's changed since then, and the reason why I'm saying is because this was back in the early, I want to say 2011, 2012. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so this is you know these relationships have been there since that that long ago, um, you know. So over the years when I you know hit these companies up, I talk to the people that I know there and I say, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'll think about running one of these. What do you guys think? You know, get their. I always and that's the thing too. I, I take I talk to talk um, specs and and stuff like that with them. Hey, what do you think this blower is going to do with this setup? You know, like the last season, I actually you know. Finally, it's funny because the drift car that I have had a stock four valve motor in it. A lot of people didn't know that. Um, there was actually a stock motor from a Mach 1 that came out of my buddy's car who used to street race all the time. The car had a nitrous, like a 200 shot of nitrous on it. The motor was just a, a beast. It was definitely a Wednesday built motor. Well, anyways, that car was in the drift car. And obviously, Drift Lee, two years ago, at the third round, I finally, the thing finally popped. It finally said, no more. Yeah, I remember we that. Had a, yeah, we had a vortex. Yeah, and I was doing so good that day. I'm like, cool, we're going to qualify today. We're going to do great. And then that piston broke. Um, so Vortec, at the time, we had a, a V3 SI supercharger. It was perfect for the setup I had. Now that I put a motor in this car, you know, that was built and ported and all, had all the works, you know, I was going to skimp on the supercharger. And then, you know, my tuner's like, you really need to put a bigger blower. And I talked to the guys at Vortec. Same thing. You know, it's like you're, you're going to be moving, the motor's going to be moving so much air, that blower's just going to choke that thing down. So we went and upgraded to a bigger supercharger. So being in that, um, you know, said I know the guys at Vortec, I talked with them. I got a lot of info. They just sent me charts. And we basically sat there and picked the, picked the supercharger out. Um, they, you know, obviously we worked a good, you know, deal. It's a partnership, as I like to call it, because, you know, everyone wants to call it sponsorship and, call it what you want but like i said to me the more professional way is a partnership because it's two sides of the deal you're getting um something and they're getting something out of it uh i'm always about you know giving that representation yeah and uh you know we got a we got a, a nice v7 jt trim supercharger on it and it worked out <laughs> you know for both ends yeah definitely when you have like 700 horsepower that's kind of nice well, yeah. <laughs> I don't really care for high horsepower. Like, it doesn't – I think, like, 400 is, like, a solid number for Pro-Am. Um, but everyone's yeah. getting kind of crazy, like you included, you know, showing yeah, up to 700 yeah. horsepower. But, you know, when you got to follow a little 200-horsepower Corolla, it's like, oh, okay. And there's a lot of there's a lot to that. And first of all, this car, what's funny is is when I put the when I put everything together and I talked to my tuner, I asked him – Hey, you know, how much power do you think this is going to make? He's like 700. I'm like, oh shit, that's probably too much. No, I want to say he said more, but I was like, that's probably too much. He's like, what do you mean too much? You know, he, he's a tuner. He comes from a background where people like they tune, they make big power, they're happy. And me, I was kind of like, that's too much. And yeah. Like, you know, it's like, wait, wait, what? What do you mean too much? And it's like, this is a drift car. Like lots of power is great, but I'm going to be going through tires so much faster. You know, that's one of the other things, you know, more power you make, the faster you go through tires. Yep. Um, so 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah, the the prime level it used to be, you know, what two hundred horsepower SR twenties and hundred and fifty horsepower Corollas, and now we're everything's like five hundred and up. If you don't have five hundred, you know, how are you gonna hang? I guess you could say. But there's some dudes out there who have who've done it. Uh, you know, Schaefer four hundred fifty horsepower. Schaefer is definitely he's one like three eighty. Yeah, he's he's up there. Even I think the motor he had before that was less. The one he, before he got a uh, the motor was from Rome. I, I think so. But him, um, I don't know if you remember a pro am driver. He's in pro two now. Tim Cobb. He dominated a uh, uh, pro am in um, Willow uh, for Just Drift. The year he won it, he I want to say he won three of the four rounds. Um, and his car was simple. It was just a an LS motor, nothing crazy. You know, just cammed and. You know, same thing with pretty much like Shapers, but he had, you know, the supportive field suspension and wise fab and you know, with with somebody like, you know, having he kinda I want to say like had a mentor, you know, somebody who kinda gives you pointers and helps you out, you know, with Odie was was a huge help with him and watching him dominate was you know, I went to I wanna say one of the rounds and we did trackside support for those guys. And it was actually really, really cool. Was that at Horse uh, to see that was at uh no it was uh he did you know they did a track support at horse thief but they also did one at um the walt james okay that was the one i went to was walt I, james, I, so. uh, I did like my first year of prime was kind of in 2017 working with uh andrew atala okay and i was kind of with him at every round but he only did three rounds he didn't he didn't want to do the wall because he was afraid of it yeah everybody kind of is <laughs> yeah once you hit it, you get over it. Yeah, exactly. If, if your car is, I guess if you know if you overbuild your car, but you set it up to hit walls, it's, you know, I've hit the wall like you know, three, three times, four times with the back end of the car. Sometimes lighter than the other, and all my friends, you know, talk shit, but it's like, dude, I look at, I just take the panel off, do a little repair. It's minor little. It's repairs, everyone outside of drifting that says something. <laughs> yeah, because I think they don't understand. Yeah. It. What's, that's actually it's, pretty funny that you brought that up because it's, it's all my uh, buddies like, outside of drifting are like, "Why is your car was breaking? Why is that thing a piece of shit?" I'm like, <laughs> "It's you know, fuck off." <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Actually, it's funny because I have a friend who is into road racing and Optima and all that stuff, and uh, he lost control at ACS, which is Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, on the infield part of the road course, uh-huh. and he flew off the track and hit the wall with his. He has a nice Mustang Bullet very clean car you know it's track built but uh very clean paint it's like flawless and he hit the wall with the back end and the front end the front back corner and the front corner oh fuck you know and it was like wow like i wanted to like you know i felt bad but i was like dude i gotta i gotta crack my jokes <laughs> he's always cracking jokes on me so the first thing i sent him was uh has- welcome to hashtag team wall because that's what they're always telling me <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's, you know, uh... he, he was good at stuff so it's not it's not fun hitting the wall, but it's kind of like it's a uh, it's a milestone you have to get over. It, it definitely is, and and I know some people are afraid of it, but honestly, once you hit it, you get over it. My first hit was actually at Irwindale. I forget what round it was, like two years ago. I think it was um, the first round. I, I remember. Was it the first round? Wait, I did you do round one, or did you do? Did you start at round two? No, it was round one. Last year I started. I did round two, but the year before that, I I did the. I was at round one when I hit it, and what happened was I was coming in. I'm trying to remember how the course was laid. I was 
I was basically coming back at the at the um, inner bank wall, and I was letting the car float out. And I kind of, for a second, hesitated just a very slight bit and realized, oh, shit, I got to get back on the gas and just floored it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit. But I just stayed in it and just, boom, took that. It absorbed that hit nicely, and I just kind of stayed in it. It threw off my line a little bit. It was, you know, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, and the funny thing is I was like, man, I wonder how bad it is. Going back to the pits was kind of like the big question mark. Like, oh, fuck, I hit that thing pretty good. I wonder how it looks. And, you know, my crew guys, you know, it was the first time for them, you know, seeing, you know, they seen drifting, but, you know, crewing for somebody. And, and they're like, oh, fuck, and I asked them, how bad is it? Like, dude, it's pretty bad. I'm like, really? And I got, I'm like, it's not that bad, but it looks pretty gnarly. It's kind of, I want to say a cool aspect of it, you know, like people are afraid, you know, they're going to scratch their paint or whatever, but kind of seeing the car beat up it's kind of cool you know <laughs> like it's you know look it looks i, I forget how you, the word to say it but it's it's kind of like a relief and seeing it's like well if i hit a wall it happens you know let's keep going yeah it's uh i thought like when i first hit the like i did it like a wall tap at round three of the uh, 2018 drift league and then i was like oh finally i finally did it and then uh, it was just like a little scratch on my car. Like, and then the uh, <laughs> yeah. the bash bar in the rear kind of pushed in a little bit, but I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, and then the next <laughs> time I hit the wall, it was like full force. Was that when you totaled the Beamer? Yeah. Yeah, the, I saw her. That was the round I didn't go to. That was the last round, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so that was the last round. That was the only round I didn't go to that year. And I remember seeing them like, oh, fuck. Saw that, the video. And- as of right now, that round's <laughs> my fucking kryptonite, man. Uh, it was it round four of the first season. I I totaled the Beamer. Round four of this last year, uh, I blew the clutch up. And it blew everything else Dude. with it. Yeah, blew that thing up pretty good. <laughs> I was like, wow. Watching the, the videos from everybody. Uh, I think Jeff Jones t- did an on-site uh, track. Yeah, uh, with on his my Instagram fucking story. flywheel all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it blew up pretty gnarly. Yeah. Well, see, right now I'm, like, stuck in between um, just kind of, like, getting a clutch in there and yeah. the bell housing to make it work to get the seat time and then just, you know, know that's something that I have to address at the end of the season because that's, yeah. like, 2500 bucks worth of shit, like, a good bell housing like i want the mcleod one because it's aluminum it's a lot lighter it is still the sfi yeah. rating and then obviously i want their i want to run their uh rxt stuff but it's just yeah affording that right now it's just it's not money <laughs> yeah it's that's 2500 bucks like that's like almost two rounds because i live down the street from the damn track so yeah yeah, it's it's a chunk of money, and it things it just sucks. But at the at the end of the day, you gotta look at it as um, you know, and it is for everybody. You know, I know we joke, me and you joke around a lot. And I I give you a lot of shit, but yeah. I, I mean good with it. And um, when it comes to building stuff on a car, and, and you gotta pick and choose your battles. And it's like you're in, you're at a point right now where you're trying to pick and choose your battle. You're like, do I spend them spend the money and buy the good shit that I want and need, or do I just, you know, I don't want to say cheap out, but like try to find a budget friendly alternative that I can get something together and, and, you know, go get seat time, for instance. But knowing that fact is it get you get something cheaper, there's a chance that, hey, this thing might not last you. It's, and it it's may, really tough. And it may cost me all that money again, because you got to remember, like that clutch blowing up. Exactly. That's like oh, five yeah. grand. Boom. Yeah, that was a pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So like it blew. And, 
It didn't even blow the motor up. It just blew the damn bolts off. It blew the like the ears off of the LS <laughs> yeah, motor. Yeah, so it's like it's yeah. stupid. I hate it. <laughs> and, and one thing I think it's here's a funny thing is I've experienced that before, not myself, not my own personal car, but I had a coworker who did that when I worked at GTR. He blew up his clutch trying to do a, a you know, pretty much his clutch was was going out as he put it. He's like, I'm gonna do a burnout, and he did a burnout on the side of the building. And hey, the, the wheel stopped spinning, but there was a lot of smoke. And next thing you know, that thing grenaded, went through everything, went through the motor, went through the trans, went through his firewall, went through his hood, went just went everywhere. He's lucky he didn't lose his legs. And um, you know, it was one of those things, you know, I've seen happen here and there, and it's I think a lot of people, hopefully not a lot of people have this idea, but it's like when your clutch is going bad, don't think, oh, I'm going to go do a bitch and burnout or, oh, I'm going to go make, I'm going to keep trying to, you know, drift because that's the worst thing you do because what you're doing is that thing explodes because it gets so hot, you know, that it's, it's slipping so bad that it gets so hot. And when, you know, you get metal hot, you know, how do you think they make stuff? They, you know, they, they break it down with heat. So you're breaking that thing down with heat. So it's spinning at, you know, 7,000 RPMs, 5,000 RPMs, whatever you're doing, it's going to go somewhere once it heats up enough. And, and that's how that those clutch explosions happen. Yeah. So, you know, for everybody out there listening, if your clutch is going bad, if it's slipping, do not try to do a burnout. Do not keep drifting on it. Change it. Because honestly, like, you know, you experienced firsthand. That shit blew up and it cost you a bunch of money. Yeah, dude. My dad was like, hey, maybe you should shut it down. I was like, all right, yeah, yeah right after this lap. <laughs> and that's i was like we'll, we'll go look for a clutch at fucking autozone or something and then yeah. as soon as i clicked the clutch it was done but yeah that's all it takes i'm sure everyone Doesn't... that listens to this fucking show is tired of hearing it too <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what it, it's it's another thing of just you know i get some people they're you know you're in comp and you want to just keep going even on days and you want to keep going you don't want to stop but you got to stop and look at it as like Hey, what's the worst that can happen right now? You know, besides hitting a wall and totaling your car, you know, and that's the thing. Everybody's got different, uh, different, you know, pockets. You know, and... they. Yeah, everybody's got you know deeper pockets than the other guy, and some people can afford it. And yeah, if I blow it up, fuck. It. If I total the car, I'll have a new one next week. You know, like okay, cool. But you know, it's it's safety too and safety of others. You know, imagine if you were next to somebody and that shit blew up and that piece goes flying and hits the other driver. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of aspects to it. But at the same time, you know, it's just one of the things that, one of the things that I like, I do, and, you know, everybody looks at me and they're like, oh, you're a baller, you're a baller because I buy all the good shit. I do buy the good shit and I, you know, I pay for it. You know, some stuff I get help on, but I pay for it. And, and the reason why is, there's stuff I will not cheap out on because if you cheap out on it, it's something that can be critical that can, this cheap part can break this, you know, this big expensive part is as to look at it as, you know, like for instance, you know, you know, my motor, my supercharger, if I went cheap on some, something, you know, and something went bad then guess what? I mean, there's a chance I can blow this all up and it's just not worth it to me. I'd rather spend the money and do something right. Like a supporting item, I guess you could say, you know, uh, for instance, all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I would rather just me. I just rather spend the money, you know, my, my Cobra, which, you know, everybody that follows me has been seeing that thing. And it's kind of funny is that thing gets a lot more likes than my drift car, which I'm kind of like, okay, my name's Eddie drift, <laughs> but it's like, fuck anyways, you guys. Then. <laughs> I, yeah. I went 
you know, the the only thing I cheaped out on the car, and I don't even want to say I cheaped out. I bought a, a a smaller supercharger, but I had certain reasons for that. You know, the that car, if you look at the Cobra, I didn't really nickel and dime it at all. I spent the only thing I nickeled and dime might have been like the body, the fender flares. I, I wanted to buy the the Meyer Racing ones, but they're like a thousand bucks, and I just wanted some cheap. That's the only part I cheaped out on. It's just a cosmetic, but still, everybody sees it like, oh, it looks badass. Where'd you get those? But the power, tra- the drivetrain of the car. I mean, I spent. I didn't spare no expense. I bought you know any every, best of everything. The only expense I spared on was a supercharger because. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, you know, buy like a big Whipple for it." I'm like, "No, I'm gonna get the two three. They're like, "Why the two three? It's it's small and outdated." I'm like, "Cause it works. The thing, the blower works really good. Um, down low, the, the power everything is really good for that supercharger, for instance. So, you know, on that car, I cheaped out on the supercharger. I still spent like twenty five hundred bucks on it, but you know, I got a deal for my tuner on there at the time. Yeah, uh, that's that's something that I cheaped out on, but it's it's not really cheap out. it's still a good blower you know so for me you know i try not to cheap out on stuff and it's as hard as it is to imagine i struggle i deal with the struggles of am i gonna make you know my bills this month it happens sometimes but i look at it as if you know what if i buy cheap stuff there's a chance other stuff could break it's not worth it granted you know i do buy some flashy stuff but um you know we all, as car enthusiasts, not just drifters, but as car enthusiasts, we all have our own taste, our own style. And I think a lot of people sometimes forget that. You know, yeah. drifting is a pretty, pretty big one, though, because everybody can display their style with just how they, you know, represent their car, how their car represents them. I know some guys have some beat cars, but those beat cars are the ones that are tearing it up. You know, exactly. Um, it's just it's kind of different on every representation, but level. But for me. I'd rather spend the extra, you know, $100,000 and have peace of mind than, you know, for instance, cheaping out on a part, you know. And I think some people really got to ask themselves that when they're going to, you got a choice. Do I buy this? For instance, let's just use a clutch, for example. You got two clutches. You got one that's $300 and then you got one that's, you know, $800. You know, which clutch is going to last you longer? Which clutch is going to hold more power? You got to look at everything, and then you got to look. Well, can I justify saving five hundred dollars and risk this thing not holding up, or do I just spend the money and and get the better product and have that peace of mind? Yeah, you know? that's and, where I'm stuck at right now, and it's kind of annoying because it's like, fuck, I really want to drive, but <laughs> like even going from an LS6, which is a essentially a Gen three motor for the yeah. LS stuff. Going to LS2, which is Gen 4, like, now I'm, like, just today, when I was, like, trying to redo my wiring harness, I found out that my my mass airflow is going to be different. And I was like, oh, great. Now I got to get one of those. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it just becomes, like, and then it just kind of goes into that whole snowball build, which is kind of yep. a, a pain in the ass. And then there was also, there was already things I needed to do on the car last year. Like I wanted to do like a real angle kit, like a legit one, not just some cut knuckles that kind of weren't working so well. Yeah. And then um, doing like changing the spring rates on the car, like all that shit adds up. So that like now the angle kit's completely out the window. Like I can't afford that right now. And to get a clutch and stuff. Um (laughs) <laughs> the spring rates I can still yep. handle. Um, I'm looking into some other stuff. I'm looking at like softer sway bars. Um, I actually pulled some off of a base model car that I have here at my house. The one I actually posted oh, okay. on my Instagram for free. 
Yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> <laughs> Someone come get it. Um, so it's just like, fuck, what do I do? And it's but like I really want to do Holly LS Fest, which is in April. Yeah. Which, which the date is kind of you know it's it's tangible. Like I can do it. But yeah. then I just saw that uh, Just Drift released their schedule today. Yeah. And it's like, shit, do I just do Just Drift this year? Because I still want to I still want to compete, but then at the same time, I do not want to, and I want to just focus on driving. Yeah. I think, and here's the other thing, too. And it's kind of like a, it's one of those things you got to think of damn if you do, damn if you don't. Some people will bring up this, you know, the, uh, idea of like oh how come you only drive in cars but you don't drive a car enough you know i think it can go both ways i think driving down a comp let's say you don't drive a lot every year and you try to make a few fun events but you, you go out to a comp and you do really bad it's, it's kind of a learning experience you know with me that's been my problem i get out to the comp events but i don't go out to a lot of fun events and, and i got many reasons and you know people who say what they want but at the end of the day, I'm a dad. I got a job. I got a family to support. Drifting, you know, is my hobby. Cars are my hobby, for instance. But, you know, I have too many of them. But at the end of the day, we're all human. We all got our lives. Um, I don't have time to go out to every single Grange event like some people do. And I'm not knocking them for it. But I, I you know, I don't like it when people knock on, you know, people like us for not Oh, you don't drive that much. It's like, hey, I would love to drive more, but I work right. Well, see where I work. I was supposed to work four days a week, but I work five days a week. I actually work six days a week, believe it or not. But I put in really early hours on Saturday and late hours on Friday. So I'm there, you know, putting extra overtime. But anyways, I do that just to have the extra money. And at the same time, you know, it's like I got to come home to a wife and kid. I got to give them time. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Unfortunately, you know, some people are fortunate enough to not have um, such, you know, things to where they can do whatever they want. Like, I'm going to go drifting Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, you know, it used to be like that where I was doing other car stuff at the time. But once you have a family, you, know, you got to look at your priorities. And, and hey, it's a, it's a priority of mine. And unfortunately, I can't drive as often as, as I would like to because I got to kind of work other things. Plus, one of the other things, too. Um, my wife, she's really into cars. She's got her own race car that we take out to the road course every, you know, so often. So, I mean, I, I work with a lot of stuff, you know, I try to work, you know, around things with my family. My wife wants to go to the track. I give her her track day because she does a lot around, around the house, you know, with our son. So when she asks, I give her her time. There's no hesitation. Um, that's the thing a lot of people don't understand. And, and I'm kind of saying this for a personal, for my personal view, because I know some people who are probably going to listen and be like, well, how come he doesn't drive a lot? And you know, this is my personal taking. You know what? It sucks. I wish I could drive some more, but I'm not here to please anyone. I'm here to have fun. I'm not, you know, I don't care what so-and-so is saying. And it is what it is. You know, like I say, until you live your life in my shoes, you're not ever going to know. Um, now going back to the aspect, uh, driving more. I want to drive more. I bought that other car to drive more. I just haven't finished it so I can go drive it. Like I said, the last thing I want to do is throw a handbrake on it. I'm probably going to end up taking it to Adams before I get the handbrake just to go get some seat time. Yeah, that's what you I... Know? Yeah, um, I'm really... Then that's like another thing. It's like, do I just spend the, what, three grand on the little seat time car? Because those little Cadillac CTSs, 
the base models. Uh-huh. They're usually dirt cheap because something's wrong with them. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't want it to end up in a snowball with that thing, too. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. That is one hard lesson I learned this past year. I was planning on driving more last year, you know, 2019, but I got a really good deal in 2018 on one of my dream cars. I used to have, a, you know, the, the Cobra that I have now. I used to have one back in the day, you know, a lot of horsepower back in 2006. And I mean, I wanted to get one. I came up on a good deal, and so I couldn't pass it up. So I got the car, and then, you know, I got a little crazy. I started doing a bunch of stuff to it, and next thing you know, oh, hey, I got two freaking race cars I'm building now <laughs> at the same time. Because this is when uh, the drift car was down. You know, I blew up the motor at uh, Irwindale. So now I'm like, oh, cool. I'm building two cars at once. That was a huge killer to my, my pocket. My budget. Your seat time. <laughs> my, well, yeah, the seat time too. Not just the budget, but the seat time. Because like now I'm down two cars. You know, the Cobra wasn't really a drift car anyways. But eh, I might take it out to drift it here and there. But anyways, so yeah, I'm down two cars. Uh you know, spending a lot of money on them and I'm not getting any seat time. So, you know, opportunity came up to get this uh, other Mustang that I got. And I was like, you know what? I'm buying it just for the damn seat time. I'll drive it to work every once in a while. So I don't have to drive my truck every day, but it's going to be a purpose seat time car, you know? And uh, I think, I think getting a seat time car is a good thing. And the reason why I say that is we look at guys who are in Pro 2, who were in Pro-Am not that long ago, like uh, Rome, for instance. Rome's got a, a practice car. You know, it's just a basic uh, BMW. He said it's got a stock motor. It's just, you know, got a couple little things, coilovers, and I think a little bit of angle, and nothing crazy. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I see he does really good. The guy drives. Whenever there's an event, any kind of driving event, Rome's He's there. there. The only place and I don't I see him at is, like, Adam's. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I think I haven't. I've seen him. I haven't seen him personally at Adams, other than what he's posted on his story, and he was there I think once. But um, yeah, that's the only place. But I mean, the dude's out at Grange every weekend. He's out. If not there, he's at Will. He was at Willow Springs today with Odie and Matt Phil. Yeah, um, you know, the guy drives a lot, and he drives his either his pro car or he's driving his little beater car. You know, he took his beater car out to Grange, and then I think today he took his comp car out. So I mean. Having that option is is kind of nice because even when one car breaks, it's like, you know, your comp car's down. Okay, cool. You still get seat time in your practice car. Yeah, no, and, and, that, I, I, and I want the other car to be drivable. Like, I want to drive it to the track, have some, like, yeah. spare tires in the back. It's got a huge trunk and uh, yeah. a jack <laughs> and drive it home. Like, I don't want to do anything else outside of that. Yeah. Because loading That's, up the trailer is a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, I know how it goes. It's so, even worse for me because, because I you know have I store it. You know, I, I store a bunch of shit there, and then you know it's like, oh, we're gonna go to the track. Well, Paul, I gotta gotta move some things around. You know, it's yep. not like oh, hook up and go and load. Yeah, that's that would be the ideal setup, but you know, yeah. you know how it goes. Um, yeah. What, what are your plans for this year? What do you what are you doing? Oh, this year. This year I had plans to do all kinds of stuff, but as like you know the year is approaching and here we are, 2020, it's starting to look realistic. Like okay, I need to look at my budget because like uh, so for instance, I'm definitely doing drift league for sure, trying to make all the rounds. Granted, you know the car is good, um, but I was also trying to do um, the Optima Street Car Challenge. There is another series called American Muscle Cup. These are road racing things because 
I'm kind of into that stuff too. And, you know, want to kind of another way for me to get wheel seat time, you know, behind the wheel, you know, I figured just drive, even if it's not drifting, just driving. And, um, so I was planning on doing American muscle cup, which I'm probably going to scratch that because looking at my budget, it looks like drift league's going to eat up most of my budget. And so is Optima, Optima streetcar challenge. I'm sure you've, you've seen that. They, they host that, they do that SEMA and all that. Um, that's kind of been one of the things I've been wanting to do. So I figure I'm going to try to do at least one or two of the local rounds this year. Uh, but my main focus is on Drift League. Um, depending on budget and stuff, I might try to make it out to a few rounds of Just Drift. We'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, still working some details out with a few potential sponsors as well. Because that's definitely going to affect my budget for drifting. And um you know, even for the other driving. So it's it's comes down to a lot of the things that people don't see behind the scenes of setting up for the upcoming season. Hello? Yeah, can you hear oh, me? No, sorry. I thought you just stopped talking. I was like, uh, did it cut off? Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, no, no I, I stopped talking. Ah. <laughs> yeah, that... Have you... Uh consider doing like just drift at all yeah that's one of the things i had brought up was I'd possibly considering doing just drift uh drift league is my main focus but just drift because i have a lot of tires and other sizes that i can't run in the drift league i might consider using those bigger tires for just drift just to go get the seed time so it's a possibility but like i said at the, at the end of the day it comes down to budget um you know, working all the details out with that right now, you know, trying to work the schedule out with my wife and figure out what events we're going to try to do for the year. It's just kind of, kind of, uh, just planning it out right now. See how, how we go from there. It's a lot more to it than just, you know, I wish I could just jump up and be like, yep, show up to every event. Like every, you know, some people do, but I don't have that luxury of course. Yeah. Like my original plan was to, get a clutch deal and then uh yeah. run uh, the drift league and do ls fest and then just do a whole bunch of other like small events like anything that i could afford outside yeah. of uh my budget for competing i was gonna go to because uh-huh. i wanted to at least drive like once or twice a month yeah and, uh that just went bye-bye so yeah especially with like the holidays and shit like that so you know that's a killer. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, when I got to get you guys something? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's like, tell me, it's funny. Because uh, I was like, tell my wife, like, you know, we're not buying anybody anything. I'm just getting you something, getting our son something. She's like, well, we got to get other people some stuff. I'm like, hey, just get them gift cards. Shoot. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to, you know, time and, and money. It's like, dude, like, the holidays can be killer. So yep. I know how that goes. And it made it worse this year was we hosted Thanksgiving at our house. So that was a oh, little dude, more I, host, pocket, I hosted Thanksgiving but... <laughs> and Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. So it's, but at least I it's got not... to get drunk and fall asleep on my bed, so I was happy. <laughs> yeah, so that is the nice thing. Yeah. So, um, What about your um, your other events? You said you are doing the Optima stuff. Are those uh, yeah, like so... super expensive, or is it just like a... Oof. obviously yes I, they are 
Yeah, they, those events are expensive. So, so getting to like you know, Drift League is uh, Drift League and Just Drift are what like two hundred ish, three hundred ish, I think, kind of off the top of my head. Most road course events are about two hundred to three hundred bucks, kind of like Drift League. But Optima Streetcar Challenge is five hundred and fifty dollars, and that's a big one that I was looking at. I was like, I'm gonna do it, and then I saw the budget. I'm like, ooh, that's gonna, that's definitely gonna affect it. That's definitely not going to do all the rounds at least the local rounds so i was thinking about that that's uh road racing's expensive in its own way and mainly because a lot of the facilities they're using are big facilities and it's just really expensive optima is pretty known the optima streetcar challenge is pretty known worldwide they show that on tv you know internet now and um it's really, it's a really cool series because what it does is it puts you in a car that's supposed to be streetable. So some guys have some cars that are race car built, but they are registered and, you know, insured. They have to be registered and insured because they will do a cruise and you have to be able to do that cruise. So you can't just show up with a race car and a trailer and think, oh, I'm going to, you know, smoke all these guys because nothing like that. Um, the one thing I like about it is they do all kinds of aspects. They do autocross. They do something, uh, it's not like a Gymkhana, but you go heads up with another car on a course that's identical at the same time. And, you know, first one past the, the last cone, the finish line wins, you know. Uh, they do road. They do a road course section. They do a, like a zero to 60 to zero, like a brake stop challenge. They do all kinds of stuff. The only thing they honestly don't do is drifting, which would kind of be pretty cool. be cool to see people be forced to drift. Like, hey, you have to drift this corner. <laughs> But, um, yeah. yeah, so we, that's kind of a different, it's kind of a really cool aspect. It's usually two days. Um, it's just something that I've been wanting to do. You know, when I first got into cars, I was into drag racing and I went into autocross, got into a little bit of road course stuff and then got into drifting and, and drifting just kind of took over, but I'm trying to get back into the road course stuff again, just to, you know, it's other stuff besides drifting that I can have fun with. Um, but yeah, that stuff's just as expensive. I mean, the drifting will, to me, I think drifting will always be more expensive than a lot of the other racing because the end of the day, you're burning, you know, 10 or 20 tires in a day. And those 10 or 20 tires, you know, it's thousands of dollars that, you know, your people think, oh, drifting, you know, it's, you're burning tires. And it's, no, I don't go to buy all my tires used at the at the old tire shop, you know, like I, I try to buy new tires. Um, so it adds up when it comes to drifting versus you know other stuff, but the other stuff's expensive. Optima, like I said, it's five hundred fifty dollars for entrance. So I'm essentially saving money on tires, you know, because I'm not drifting, but I'm still spending five hundred fifty dollars. You know, the first rounds in Vegas. So I mean, you're talking about lodging. Um, you add it all up. I mean, it's that's a thousand dollar weekend at least. You know, doing Optima in Vegas, unless you got a place to stay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it can be, it, any racing could be expensive, but that specific Optima challenge is, it's expensive. Yeah. Uh, but a thousand dollars for, wait, do you guys go through a lot of tires? Do we what? You don't go through like sets of tires over a weekend, do you? No, at Optima, no. I think most guys bring like maybe two sets. Most guys show up with a set that's on their car. And some guys might bring like an extra set just so they have an extra set, but 
Yeah, so it's nothing like drifting where you're you're constantly changing your tires. Optima is just you're you're doing road course stuff. So I mean, it's autocross, road course, uh, brake stop challenge. There's other stuff they do too. I can't think of it, but they like I said, the only thing they don't do is drifting. You know, so it's in a in a way it's it's cheaper than drifting, but the uh, entry fee is more expensive than your drift event would be. But still cheaper. If you were just doing one, yeah. yeah. If you were just doing one, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So right. it kind of just really, really depends, and that's why that's my battle this year right now is I'm trying to pick and choose. Okay, which events am I going to do? You know, if I wasn't drifting altogether, I would probably do all the rounds of Optima, you know, that I can do. That other series I wanted to run in, I, I kind of threw that out the window just because it's like realistically, if I try to do them all, I'm going to be it's going to be tough. <laughs> so it's like I make some sacrifices right now and just call it quits on, you know, one of the series and, and just focus on Drift League and try to make a few rounds of Optima with, a, with my other race car and, you know, go from there. You know, it's like uh, unfortunate things of having multiple race cars and multiple addictions is, you know, they, they're they definitely a killer in your pocket. <laughs> I bet. Hey, do you, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Uh, Sorry, man. <laughs> it's cool. Damn it. It's about driving. Oh, what it's are your driving. plans for uh, drifting anyway? So, like, do you plan on going to, like, Pro 2, or are you just doing Pro-Am just because? That's one thing that I actually, for a while, I was, you know, just wanted to do drifting. Like, I wanted to compete. Just for the fun of it, uh, being in, you know, from where I come from, I, you know, I used to obviously work for Odie. And when I used to crew, you know, for him, it was just being in that atmosphere of competition events is, to me, it was fun. And to me, it's just like, it's kind of just the atmosphere that I like. And being on the crew side was different than being on the actual driver's side. So doing Driftly, like, to me, it's it's pretty cool because, I mean, you know, anybody that's done it, it's kind of like if you've gone to Irwindale, it, it's pretty much like a like a round of Irwindale for Formula Drift, but obviously a lot smaller scale. Um, I just like being around that aspect. It's, it's just whether I'm, you know, they're helping another driver or they're actually driving my car. Um, as far as, uh, you know, driving goes, um Pro 2 was something that was wasn't really thought of. It's just, you know, I want to do Drift League if I get my pro license. Cool. And I think last year I started thinking, well, first off, you know, I got to get better. But um, last year I started thinking, like, is it realistic? You know, the amount of money, time you got to put into a program to do it. Um, And somebody, one of the Pro 2 drivers put it out there about how much he spent. And this was like, this is a pretty pretty good estimate pretty Andrew, accurate estimate. i think it was andrew schulte if that i hope yes. i butcher his name yeah yeah he he had put something out there about it was what like 25 grand to run a full season of pro 2 that covered pretty much everything barring a catastrophic failure with like an engine or anything like that and i look at that and it's like at first i was like fuck i don't know if i could swing that but you know, working where I work now and looking at everything else I do on the side, you know, if it happened, I could probably definitely make it happen. But, you know, it would take a couple of years for me to get to that point. It's like, 
even if I got my license this year, I probably wouldn't go and do it next year. I'd probably take wait an extra season and just kind of save a budget, which honestly I see a lot of guys doing. I see a lot of guys get their pro license and then you don't see them in pro two the following year because they're taking a season off to kind of prepare. And yeah. I think that's kind of a smart move. You know, it's, it sucks because, you know, you, you see guys, oh, cool, they got the pro license and then you don't see them because everything's a lot more expensive than, than everybody anticipates. And when you look at the real aspect of it, it's like it's a lot of money. And you don't want to show up and, you know, <laughs> make an ass of yourself. But, yeah, it's it's expensive. Pro 2, I wasn't really thinking about. But lately, I kind of been thinking about it. If I could make it happen, I think I'll definitely try it. Um, it just basically comes out to budget. So, I mean, if budget-wise, if I could make it happen, I'm definitely going to try. But, uh, you know, baby steps at a time. It's like we still got to get through the Pro-Am, you know? Pro-Am's mm-hmm. like the thing. And, and that's actually funny that we're talking about the subject because Pro-Am's the thing that kind of, it's a stepping stone into getting to the pro team. You can't really, I want to say you can't really skip that stepping stone because... Yeah, you can drive with all you want at fun events and these uh, shootouts or whatever they want to call them. I mean, I don't, I'm not a big fan of those shootouts because it's one day, you know, one event. And you could go out there and have the best day. Your car's running good. Your Everything's working. And, you know, Joe Schmo next to you is technically, you know, he was the one that was supposed to win this event, but his car broke, you know. And yeah, everyone knows that guy's a better driver than you, for instance. I just kind of don't like the shootouts because I think it takes away from that aspect. When you have a full season of Pro-Am, whether it be Drift League, Just Drift, any of those other ones that are around the U.S., um, it makes you work for it. Uh, if you look at, I think, Texas, I forget what Pro-Am it is, but I want to say they have like seven or eight rounds of Pro-Am. That's a little excessive. Yeah, I thought the same. But I thought the same thing. It's excessive, but, dude, I mean, you're going to get the best of the best out of there. The guys that are most committed that are the ones that drive. I mean, you could show up to all eight rounds and have two shitty rounds, but if you podium the rest of the rounds, you're probably going to win. You know, those two shitty rounds could be like your car blew up or you crashed through the wall. I don't, I'm not a fan of the shootouts because it's just one day. And I think I feel like it's, I don't want to say it's fair and unfair because I think it has its advantages, but it's, it's kind of giving some drivers like a, a good shot, but I think it's not, it's not good from, is you gotta, you know, when you do prime, you're kind of like uh, battling it out in the trenches to say, this is kind of like, oh, I just show up one day, just drive really good, everything's gonna work, and we're gonna get our license. Where when you go to prime, like you gotta plan out the season. I feel like, you know, you show up to pro two, and then it's like, oh shoot, well it's not one day, it's you know, what is it, four events, which is still not a lot, but you know, it's still expensive. Where if you didn't do a program, you know. You show up from doing a, a shootout that you won or you got your license from. And it's like, I think it kind of defeats the purpose. And one thing I'm starting to see is a lot of guys are petitioning to get into Pro 2, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, whether because they drove somewhere or, you know, they're famous. And it's like, it is what it is. I guess everybody has, has their ways of getting in. It's just kind of unfortunate because, like, me, I... Me, my personal self, if I can't do Pro-Am, if I can't win in Pro-Am, then I don't belong. My ass does not belong in Pro-2, you know? Yeah, I can If I that. went to a shootout, if I went to, you know, I wouldn't. 
I don't. I honestly, if they had a shootout out here for a license, I would not care to go to it. And like I said, reason being is because let's just say if I won, I would. I would be like it's, you know, unless I was like fully ready money wise, like for Pro Two, I'm like, dude, I got the money, I just got to get my license, maybe. But I'm not there, and and honestly, I kind of just feel like you're not working for it. You're just looking for a shortcut. And I know, I know, I'm probably gonna get a lot of slack for this shit from people but i personally am not a fan of shootouts because of that reason um i feel like if you're skipping pro-am you probably shouldn't be in pro 2 because you're not you're taking the shortcut for whatever reason you're using you know and it's just to me it's just not like you're, you're missing out on the experience i guess is, is what i'm getting to and that experience is very helpful if you look at guys for instance who i've been around you look at Rome, Rome drives, you know, when he got his license, he got his license in, in Drift League and he got his license through uh, Just Drift. He dominated uh, both. Um, if you, I think he drove Vegas Drift too, but I think he only did like two rounds. But if you look at guys like, for instance, Odie, Odie Bakchis, mm-hmm. when he was driving in Pro-Am, he drove uh, Vegas Drift and Just Drift. You know, and he was podium in both. I mean, the dude was ready to go to the pro level. I think if, you know, some guys, some guys uh, do get out and, and, you know, they'll get their pro license in one. That's totally cool. You're showing up to enough rounds to get their license. I feel like you're working toward it. With the shootouts, I just feel like you just got to show up one day and be lucky. You could be good, but like I said, you, you, at the end of the day, you have to be lucky in a shootout because your car needs to hold together. You know, make sure the guy you're tandeming with doesn't plow into you or you don't plow into him. I mean, it's a one-day shootout to me, or one-event shootout, however many hours or days they do it. It's just it's a shootout, they call it, you know, one or two days. To me, it's just not it, – it takes the experience out of that. And this is my own personal opinion. You know, it doesn't have to stick to everybody's thing, but that's me personally. I, I'm not a big fan of the shootout, so – Coming when it comes to Pro Two for me, if I get my license through Pro, cool. If I don't get it, I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna petition because obviously, my ass doesn't belong in Pro Two. <laughs> you know, if you can't earn it, you don't belong there. Yeah, I can see and that. I know everybody, everybody has their different takes on it, but that this is my personal take. Okay, but what about like, let's say you've been doing Pro for a few years and then um, you just kind of haven't been so lucky, car breaking down, and you show up to a shootout event and you actually do get your license, but you know you can drive. And it's just like another opportunity to gain your license. It's a little different if you know you're like always consistently top driver, but you have a couple car failures. I still look at it kind of the same aspect. It's like, well, I've been unlucky, but why am I unlucky? Oh, my car keeps breaking down. Well, what's going to happen when you show up to Pro 2 with that same luck? You know, you're just going to show up to every round. You know, funny because I have a a friend, I'm not going to mention him. He he killed it in, in Pro-Am. The dude killed it. He drove good. He showed up to Pro 2, and I'm like, dude, this dude's going to win it all. He did not. I want to say he qualified one round. And I feel bad because it's like, dude, this dude, it was nothing to do with, with his driving because the dude drives great. His car, which has always been reliable as hell, just gave him a shit year, dude. And I look at that, and and this is my his my his personal conversation. Uh, conversation but one thing he said is like I made an ass of myself and I'm like dude I know you feel that way but that's 
that's drifting. That's any kind of racing, dude. You, your car's never going to always work. You're going to have your down days. Unfortunately for him, you know, his big Pro 2 season, who, you know, it's just it didn't go the way he wanted because his car, which was always so reliable, always so perfect, decided it didn't want to work this season. Yeah. So him, you know, he's, he's I think he's stepping back for a year and, and kind of going to redo things and, and think things over. But that's one of the things to look at is like if, you know, yeah, you drive a lot. He, this guy I'm using, for example, because he drive he drives a lot um, enough and he's a good driver, but he had an unfortunate year with his car. Granted, he had his Pro 2 license already, but I just feel like if you can't show up to a series and, and do enough to get one of the top three license, because the top three drivers get licensed, right? In Pro-Am? Yeah. Okay, so if you can't do good enough to grab one of those licenses, you don't belong. And you could be the best fucking driver in the world, but if your car keeps breaking down every event, but you win one event, does it mean you should go to Pro 2? Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't think, my personal opinion, I would say no, because your car, you maybe as a driver are ready for Pro 2, but your car program isn't. And I think for Pro 2, you have to have all the aspects. You have to have the money, you have to have the car, and then you have to have yourself as the driver. If you can put all three of those aspects together, then cool, you're ready. But skipping out on pro am, I think, is kind of a kind of a, a big thing. If you skip out on that, you're you're bound to set yourself up for failure. You know? Yeah, I you can see to, that too. That, you better, yeah, you better have some really good luck or <laughs> something because, you know, like I said, I, I watched one of my personal friends do this, and I was like, dude, this guy's gonna fuck it up in pro or pro two he's gonna kick everybody's ass and dude everything went wrong for the guy and it's not had nothing to do with his driving because the dude drives great his car just didn't it wasn't there so from my aspect it's like he as a driver was ready but his car for some reason just did not want to be ready you know yeah and i kind of look at it as if you can't swing all three of those things the money the driving and the car you shouldn't be there if you can't do that in pro-am then you shouldn't be there but i know everybody has their own different opinions on it this is just mine don't take it to heart don't hate me for it but this is just how i personally feel you won't ever see me petition to get into pro 2 you know i i just i couldn't go that route i don't that's just something i won't do if i can't cut it in pro-am my ass does not belong in pro 2 at the end of the day is how i see it. no there's nothing wrong with that I think <laughs> yeah. I haven't decided uh, what I'm gonna do. Well, kind of. I kind of wanted to do since I know that um, I was probably not gonna be able to finish the car until like mm, April. I wanted to do the Holly Ellis Fest West and do like a whole bunch of events in between, and then sign up for yeah. a shootout and just just see what happens. But at the same time, I'm like, shit, yeah. man, I don't want to do that. And then potentially waste like a big chunk of money doing stuff something like that and then yeah i'll bummed out about it later <laughs> that's the thing with drifting man sometimes you're gonna lose a lot of money drifting's a gamble no shit sometimes man you you really hurt your pockets i mean you're always gonna hurt your pockets in drifting but sometimes when you have a bad day dude sometimes a bad day at the track is just gonna be killer <laughs> yeah and then it gets real expensive but Oh yeah. yeah, whatever. So uh, the drift league for sure. Yep. And you might do just drift depending on what you decide. 
Yeah, just drift is po is a possibility. It's basically going to come down to how much how much I have in budget to do that. Realistically, for Driftly, uh, I'm sorry for yeah for just drift. I actually have tires for just drift that I cannot run in Driftly because they're they're bigger tires, bigger than a 255. So they just pretty much sit there, uh, and it's like, well, I can use those for just practice days, or you know, I could use it for just drift. Which is a uh, which is something I'm considering. Unless they change the rules to where they adopt the tire rule, then I then I yeah I'm asked out on that. <laughs> I don't think they but it, changed them yet. Not yet. Um, I did hear that there is something in the works where they're trying to get all the pro ams on on basically like a pro two thing. So everybody's coming in with a with a fair, I guess with a fair car. You know, it would be kind of. I guess bad to show up with a car that's like technically doesn't qualify for pro two, but then, you know, it qualifies for pro-am because then what happens is a lot of guys, you know, kill it in pro-am. And then I don't know, you probably see, but a lot of guys get their pro two license and what do they do? And they build a new car. Why are they building a new car? There's reasons, you know, guys, cars don't pass tech. Um, and some guys just want to build a new car, and I get it. I get it. you want a fresh chassis. It's your first year coming pro two. You want to make sure you're. This is you being on top of the car aspect. Like you want the car to be, 100% fresh. Where some guys like, oh, they have to build a new car because their car doesn't pass tech. You know, it might be something in the roll cage, or who knows? Maybe an illegal subframe swap. I mean, who knows? But uh, it's kind of one of the things is what I see with that is a lot of guys build new cars. You know, they all have their reasons. Yeah. And that gets really expensive. But, oh, yeah. But for just drift, I have tires that I can't run in drift uh, drift league. So if I could run them in just drift, you know, realistically, I'm not trying. You know, if I go do just drift, I'm not going to be trying to like, oh, I'm going to go get my Pro 2 license. I This year, I kind of want it to be more about fun and seat time. You know, if if I don't get on the podium or I do get on the podium, it's honestly not going to make a difference to me. As as long as I'm getting out there, I'm putting in the seat time, which is just get the seat time. I, and obviously, the more seat time you go deeper in battle school, it it's, means you're getting better. But I kind of want to just focus on that. The reason why I would possibly consider doing just drift is because it's more seat time. It's more competition seat time. You're driving against other drivers. You're battling with other drivers. It's something to, you know, it's going to give you more experience. You know, at the end of the day, I think there's nothing better than hands-on experience, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm uh, I want to do the full pro-am, but just when that March 7th day is fucking just unrealistic for me right now. <laughs> I, I know. How you, oh, that's how it was last season. I know. Last season. I was like, Oh, the fix. You remember it. that? <laughs> The only thing, one of the things I did like that what they did with the schedule, though, is they put a lot of months between the rounds. So if you don't make round one, well, you have no excuse for missing round two, Gerald. Because <laughs> it's like two or three months away from that point. Which is, I don't know, it's kind of like almost excessive, but it's kind of nice. Because last year they did something similar. They had the first round in March, and then they went, the second round was like all the way like in June. So you had pretty much the rest of March, uh, April, May, and then June. So you had like almost like two and a half months where, you know, before, after the June round, there's like a round almost every month till like it ends, a month and a half, whatever. Now it's, you got more time between the rounds, which is 
I think it's kind of good. Like for me, it's it's easier for me to budget, you know, between now because like now it's like cool. I should be able to save up for each round, you know, between rounds that is. And if something happens with the car, it's like I got time to fix it. I got two two and a half months to fix it. So, yeah, that's how I was looking at it too. Um, But like with just fucking round one being at March (laughs) seventh. And I know, yep. like, I talked to Rathena a little bit. You know, she's kind of at the mercy of Irwindale. And yep. it kind of seems like Irwindale puts the Drift League on the back burner for the most part. Yeah. It's, I get it, because it's, it's not, it's not, Drift League's not bringing them in a ton of money. Like, their, their NASCAR races and their Night of Destruction stuff, that stuff brings them a lot of money. So I get they want to, that stuff gets first priority. Yeah. But if that's... we could get more support for the Drift League, you know, I wish more people would make it out and and not just drivers, but even spectators, um, because it all adds up at the end of the day. If, if those stands are if you only show up to an event, there's only 16 drivers, but the stands are full. Hey, I'll take that. Even if it's 12 drivers, but you got the stands packed. It's like, dude, they're they're getting their their money to exist one way or another. And that's the thing that people don't understand is these organizations, they need money to run if they don't get the money. They you know, lose people it. say, oh, it's greedy. They lose it. And it's like, dude, for us to have drifting at the House of Drift, Irwin Hill Speedway, it's huge. And and it's like if if it can't – put it this way, it's basically just paying for itself, I guess, from you know what I've heard. It needs to it needs to flourish because if it doesn't flourish, nobody's going to want to do it. And not saying, oh, they're, they're not there to make the money. Irwin Hill Speedway is – it's a business. They They are there to make money. But the Drift League is just doing something for, for the drivers. And it's awesome what they have done and what they've started. You know, Rathena's done and, uh, you know, Moto IQ. And to to lose that because lack of support, it's going to be disappointing if that ever happens. And yeah, and I hope it doesn't because I really like the Drift League. It, I just wish here. I could fucking make it to round one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and, and I totally get that. Last year I was in the same, sho- same shoes as yours. My car had the motor out. My, I actually took my motor to my builder like in January and it just took him, you know, a couple of weeks longer. And it's like, by the time I got everything, you know, I was converting the car, the supercharger set up to eight rib. And I thought, Oh, this will be quick and easy. Nope. That shit took me a few weeks alone, you know, just cause I had just started at the time. I just started my new job. Yep. So trying to dude, it was just, my schedule was really hectic and it was just like, I'm not going to make it. Like I got the car running. I want to say the week after drift league, I actually got it running and then got it tuned. You know, I missed it by, if I would have had like two extra weeks, I might've made it. Uh, that's the same boat I'm in. Like just going off of like my little schedule I have, like how much I get paid and shit like that. Like my budget to work with. Yeah. Um, two weeks after fucking the first round, I'd be okay. Yeah. And then it's just like shit. Like, uh, and then one thing I don't do is I don't charge up my credit cards. Yeah. Uh, for drifting, so uh-huh. I'm not trying to like fall into that. Yeah. Because I've heard so many people do it, and then I just don't want to ruin it for me. I'd rather just wait it out. Uh. Yeah. I don't want to go into race car debt. <laughs> yeah. Everybody seems like uh, does it. Yeah. So like but... right now, I'm, I need to get a throttle body. I need a mass airflow sensor and then i need to get a clutch um a bell housing and then i still need to get the car tuned yeah and then plus like the other odds and ends that i'm trying to redo just to kind of like 
because I wanted to fix up the car because I kind of did a few things in a rush last year. Yeah. And so that's probably going to be like another 500 bucks on top of that stuff. So it's just like, shit, man. It's like I need five grand to finish this fucking thing and still make it to the round. And that's like no seat time. <laughs> that's just going on in an, untest- in an untested car. Yep. And that's, you know, that could go either way. <laughs> well, I mean, since, I driv- I, since I drove it all last year, I was like, it's a little bit better than what I was trying to do. Um, last year was like finish the car and then show up to round one in a car I've never driven before. That's true. <laughs> so that was pretty sketchy, and I was, uh, but I don't want to, I don't want to waste my money because I still yeah. plan to do like I still want to get to like Pro Two and stuff like that. So I don't want to yeah keep wasting money. I'd rather just sit this year out and uh, focus on driving as many events as I can. Just try to avoid Grange at all costs. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Grange. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. I'm always breaking something there. First day I, there in the I Cadillac, I broke a wheel. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I so. went there, I want to say back in, like, how long ago was it? I want to say, like, 2014, maybe, 2015. It's kind of when they just started. But, dude, I broke a knuckle there. Like, first lap out. I, I didn't even get a full lap in. Oh, shit, I really? Dirt dropped a little bit. Yeah, I, I showed up, unloaded my car, Dirt dropped uh, a little bit on, I forget what section it was, and my knuckle broke. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck, dude? And, and I look, and then I see videos, you know, recent, even back then, people, like, as soon as they go off, they, like, bend a rim, they break a rim, they break their suspension. It's like, dude, it's like a death trap. It's like if you're not on the on the concrete or the, the blacktop, you're breaking parts. <laughs> you yeah, know? for sure. But... And everyone, everybody dirt drops there. Yeah, there, there's no, dude, it's it's a go-kart track. Like, if you don't dirt drop on a go-kart track, you're a really good driver. If you, I'm sure you saw Odie and Matt Phil do some practice there. And the, there's a drone video. They're, they're dirt dropping the front end, going around the turn. Yeah. I mean, even the pros are dirt dropping there. You don't it's have just, a choice. A small, <laughs> yeah, it's a narrow course. So, I mean, dirt drops are going to happen. It's just the dirt drops there are gnarly, dude. And yeah, I'm sure you saw... I'm sure you saw what happened with Aaron Parker and uh, the other dude recently. Yeah, other, yeah, like, that that's unfortunate. But like, I look at, I was looking at more so not the impact because impact sucks and it sucks to see that. But when Aaron was dirt dropping the front end, he, he was white. He was pretty much washing out. But do you see when his front wheel hits that? Uh, yeah, you see it just pitch. obliterate. <laughs> Oh, dude, I, like, I cringed when I see that. I was like, oh, like, why would anybody want to go there? Fuck that place. You know, but I get it. See time. Yeah, you like, take a bad line there. You're fucked. Yeah, but, you know, if you're, that place is probably open the most out of any place for drifting than any other, you know, locally. You know, they're, they're open for drifting every weekend. Every day, you could actually so, just pay to go there for like 50 bucks, I think. Yeah, and, and and I get that. That's cool, but it's like, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like you, you save money on your entrance fee, go drive, and risk breaking your car, or do you spend more money and go to like balcony and, and you know balcony or, or even any other horse thief or whatever? You know, I guess you can break your car there, but it's more, it's not as narrow. It's more in your control. Yeah. So it's kind of like there's a, more room for error. You know, yeah, spend that extra hundred and twenty bucks more than the fifty at Grange, and, and have more, more track, more margin of error. You can try more things. You know, one thing I noticed Aaron said where he was trying something on the car. The reason why he didn't want the guy to follow him, and that can go either way, man. Because you don't, 
the changes you make, you don't know what they're going to do. And it's like doing that at Grange is fucking risky as hell because yeah. if the car doesn't do what you want, I mean, he dirt dropped in the front, that front end. You'd seen that front wheel made me cringe. I was like, oh. Yeah, but I, that, I looked at the video again and the guy didn't actually follow him. He just didn't fucking get out of it when he should have. Like when he saw Aaron's. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Because he wasn't following him. Like I wouldn't call it a follow. That's a really, that's kind of like a give him space and. Yeah, and, and like yeah. just in case he messes up, and he did, and he was like, "Oh, he tried to like stick just, it and drift around him, and that kind of like that was that didn't pay off well." Yeah, and and I kind of like cringe at that too, because like me, it's like yeah, you know, like you see a guy spin on front of you. The first thing I do is like, well, you know, I'm letting off because where am I gonna go? Okay, if you're at Irwindale and you have all this, you know, hundreds of miles of blacktop around you, okay, yeah, I guess you can go around him because you have you know, like 50 feet of blacktop to use. But at Grange, you got, he had like a car lane space because Aaron was sitting on like a quarter of the track and pretty much at sideways, your car sideways takes up almost the whole track. Yeah. So he was, that's, you know, he's trying to thread the needle, which you know, like I should have. And it just sucks because Aaron's car is, dude, that thing's, that thing's jacked. I yeah. didn't even, honestly haven't seen any pictures of the other dude's car because I'm sure both cars got pretty wrecked from that, that crash. But, um, uh yeah from the video it doesn't look like it was too much um it didn't look like he broke anything major but who knows he hasn't yeah. like i don't follow him so yeah yeah he hadn't posted last like, i saw but yeah it just sucks that you know something avoidable you know just by you know what i'm gonna shut it down go around him and then continue to drift you know it's just it was that simple i i, I get it you want to stay in drift but like doing something at like irwindale like that would be easy because you have a ton of track to use range you don't you're limited. That's kind of one of the things I just don't like about Grange. It's so small. You're, you're limited on what you can do there. Yep. But whatever. It is what it is. Hopefully they figure it out. Um, but alrighty, man. Uh, I actually got a few questions on the Instagrams. Cool. Let me see what we got. Looks like I got even more. Then I thought I did. <laughs> Hang on. So we got from the first one we got was from Ben Bro ninety four, and he asks, "How does one be competitive in a Mustang, and how much seat time do you get?" That's a good question. Um, I guess did he specify what Mustang, or did he just say a Mustang? <laughs> uh, he is. It looks from the picture he's in the generation before yours, which is not is it the ninety five or fox? No, so it's yeah, not a fox. so all the it's not a fox. Mm-mm. Oh, so it's the SN ninety five, like a ninety six. Yeah. Okay, so so all the chassis from like eighty three, I think it is, or eighty four, are the same to O four, like underneath the car, like the oh, suspension, okay. and everything bolts up to the same. Um, the cars, honestly out of the box aren't the greatest things to drift but they can be there's a few people that i know of who drift them with pretty pretty next to nothing stuff um if first off car comes with a solid axle so you know how that is it, it's kind of moving around in their lives it's a four link suspension so you're going to get a lot of uh how would you say it? it's it's unpredictable at you times. get will so uh, sometimes um, there's quad shocks help with that. Coilovers will help with that. Um, you know, dialing a, a grippy tire. 
if you take your quad shocks off on those cars, uh, you can definitely get wheel out out of a solid axle. Like you have blown suspension and take the quad shocks off. (laughs) So that's a little, little secret that you probably wouldn't want to (laughs) do. But as far as the chassis goes, it's, it's actually really competitive. A lot of people don't think they are, but in a pro-am in a grassroots, it's actually really competitive. There is a page that I'm on on Facebook called FMC drift. That's a good page for guys who want to drift a Mustang because everything you need there is on that page. Um, you know, all the questions you could ask about a Mustang drifting are going to be answered on there. Uh, as far as the chassis goes, I see a lot of guys do a lot with nothing on these cars. Uh, mainly there's a guy that I'm sure everybody knows, Matt Sopa. He works in FD. Mm-hmm. He's got the, the fusion with the coyote swap. And yeah, he's got crazy. a Fox body with a coyote thing. swap. So his Fox body is really simple. He's got an angle kit. He's got a coyote motor. You know, I know that seems all fancy, but his, his rear end suspension, it's basic. He shows it off and people are like, wow, that's it. Like he doesn't have a pan hard bar, which is, you know, some people say it's a must. It's not a must, but it, you know, it's a, it definitely helps. But he's got just springs and shocks. He doesn't even have coilovers in the back of the car. Oh, and shit. It's very basic. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, he's just got a spring and shock. He's got control arms, uppers and lowers, and that's it. No pan hard bar, no torque arm, nothing fancy. Very simple. And honestly, you've seen the videos of him drive that car. He drives, you know, other. He's he's done a couple prem events, but he does a lot of fun stuff. You see him drive that car. It's like he's he's keeping up with pro am dudes, and if not doing better, you know, a lot of guys would think for what that car has. So, I mean, that's one example. That's a Fox chassis, too. So, that's, you know, older chassis, more, more used, I guess, more worn out. Um, he's one who does a lot with something. Granted, he's got a lot of power, but even before, he had, like, a three-valve motor in it. Um, there's another guy from FMC Drift. He's actually a guy that I work with. He's one of the guys that builds the dozen knuckles for these for um, angle kits. His name's Duncan Motors. Uh, John Duncan from Duncan Motors. He's got, believe it or not, he's got a V6 Mustang, 99-04 chassis. V6 that just welded the diff in it and basically just goes and drives it. Seat time car. Um, and he does really good with it. You look at it and it's like, you know, it's doing as good as it's going to do for a V6. Um, I joke around and I'm always like on guy, on my buddies that have V6s, I'm always on them and stuff. But at the end of the day, a V6, it'll get the job done. If you want seat time, it'll get the job done, you know? Um, so the chassis, they're very capable. They're very capable chassis um, out of the box. Is it going to be the fastest thing on track? No, it's probably not unless you do some supporting mods. But if you want just a good seat time car, you can go buy a V6 Mustang, even a GT Mustang for like a thousand bucks and um, weld the diff and just take it to the track and have fun. You know, the cars have enough power to spin their back tires. You just got to weld the diff, which is, you know, a preference thing, unless it has a good, you know, fresh track, uh, track lock. But you don't really have to do a lot with these cars. Okay. Is it going to be pretty? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, but it, when you're just going for a seat time car, it's kind of like you're not really worried about how pretty it is. Yeah. Like, I know I'm not. Like, I don't give well, a shit mean, what it looks like. It could have no doors, no fenders, anything, as long as it fucking runs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, it, it, they, they work. They're good good cars. Um, yeah. So I got another question that kind of, like, kind of covered it, but... Um, Kooky Dan asks, do you feel Mustangs are a good starter car? Coils, welded, angle, seat, and handbrake. That's as good as it can get. Um, for, for somebody getting the drifting, 
um, that wants a good car. Like I said, one of the things I like about the 90, you know, the Mustangs I got the 9904 is the motors are very reliable. If you if you happen to to mess one up, you can go to a junkyard and get one for four or five hundred bucks. Sometimes even cheaper. Oh, okay. uh, you can find guys selling them cheaper. So motor drivetrain parts like transmissions you can find for like two three hundred bucks. Um, you, the parts are cheap for these cars. Um, that's great. So if you have a welded diff, yeah, welded diff, handbrake, coilovers, and a seat, that's all you really need. That's as good as it can get. If you want to, you know, get seat time, that's a that's a great starter car. That's realistically, but the '96 that I bought for my seat time car has a bucket seat. It has a welded diff. It has coilovers on the rear right now. Um, the only thing I'm missing is the handbrake. And, and the only reason why I want the handbrake is, like I said, that the handbrakes on these cars suck. So don't buy a car and think, oh, I'm going to go to the track and just pull the stock handbrake. It's You're going to keep going. It's not going to do nothing for you. <laughs> nah. But, uh, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. So what this guy mentioned, you know, all those ha- aspects, that's actually what I'm putting into my practice car right now. Like I said, I'm just missing the handbrake. I got the bucket seat. I got the welded diff. Um and coilovers. I actually put coilovers just on the rear. The front shocks are adjustable. They're nothing fancy, but I was like, you know what? I just need coilovers on the rear. And the reason why I put coilovers on just the rear right now is because the shocks were blown in the back. So I was like, I might, might as well just put coilovers on it, you know? Yeah, I, that may as well. Did you go with feel or you just went with like some off-brand thing? Uh, you know I went with feel. Well, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I, I bought yeah, well, actually, what's ha- what happened was so I bought the 442s, and it, you know, it's all my cars in my driveway, all my Mustangs have feel coilovers on them. My my drift car has 442s, my Cobra has road race spec 441s, and then my wife's race car has 441 uh, road race specs. Um, the spares I had from my drift car, I had, a, had some spare cartridges from years ago. And then uh, when I got the 442s, I had more spares now. So what I did was I took the spares I had from a few years ago and, and basically just added the pieces I needed to make them a coilover for the rear. So I essentially had most of the parts, just needed realistically lower mount brackets for a solid axle. All my other cars are IRX, um, believe it or not. The three three of the four Mustangs in my driveway are, are independent rear suspension. Oh, okay. That, you are... That's something I'm sure... Sure, people want to question. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's wait, three of your Mustangs are independent. Yeah, so your wife has one drift, too, right? Yeah, my wife's car has an an IRS in it. My comp car has an IRS. My Cobra obviously has an IRS because the Cobra. Um, the only car that doesn't is my my seat time car, oh, okay. which I want to leave. Leave solid axle, it's hard. Like I said, it's more challenging to drive that way, and I, that's how I want it. Gotcha. So I got uh, Jake Wright 24 asking, what made you decide a new a new edge? And if you had to start over, would you go S197 or stay in the new edge drift build? Um, to answer the second part of the question, I'd stay in the new edge. Reason why, which we just went over, was the IRS, the independent rear suspension. Uh, I learned a lot when I worked with Odie. Uh, you know, when I worked with, with Odie and, and Nate was helping out, um, the IRS is just, it's superior. It's superior to a solid axle. And I know some people are going to say, no, it's not, but it, I mean, it is. You have toe adjustment, you have camber adjustment. I mean, you could dial in so much more grip 
uh, more forward by, you know, just the things you can do with IRS is it's just a lot more than what you can do with solid axle. The the one thing that the solid axle will have over the IRS is reliability. Uh, last year, last year you were at the track with me when I took my comp car to Adams. What happened? I broke both axles. Oh <laughs> shit! We were both there that night. Huh? I remember that. Yeah. The one fucking yeah, time I broke you both go. Axles. <laughs> yep. And broke them both pretty bad. That's pretty much. I had stock axles. They're 0304 Cobra axles, which are the strongest of the stocks. And I broke both of them pretty bad. Uh, that is the only weak point of the IRS is is honestly the axles. Uh, a solid axle, you're not going to – some dudes have broken axle shafts on a solid axle. It's happened. I think Matt Sopla just did it recently in his box. But um, you really don't see it as common. I broke like, it on my Jeep one. Sh- yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got an old picture. My dumbass did a neutral drop. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Looked cool. You don't have to show up, but it's like, you don't have to show up to a comp event with spare axles for a solid axle because the chances of you breaking one are, are like zero to none. And with an IRS, it's like you, you better have spares if you show up to a comp. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the only thing between the IRS and the solid axle. And, and that answers my other part of the question. Like I said, I, I would stay with the new edge um, over the S197. I know S197, when you compare the cars out of the box, like a a solid axle new edge and a solid axle S197. S197 is more superior because it has a factory built in an R bar. It does have a lot more steering angle factory too. But the uh, the new edge, I just I, I grew up around that chassis. Uh, when I was growing up, my my uncle and his his car club they were just in the Fox bodies at the time, and had some really nice cars. And I was always in the Mustang, but. Growing up, the car that really grew on me was was the, the ninety nine oh four Mustang. It was just at the time I was like in high school, and that was that was the new Mustang back then, you know. And it's like that's what I want. I want the Cobra, you know. And that's why I went with the New Edge. Um, when I got into drifting, I actually started with an SN ninety five because I had it for so long. That was the ninety eight, the body stock before that. Um, yeah, that's how so I, I ended up with the Cadillac. Chassis. Something I loved in high yeah. school. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. You know, that's why I'm always going to lean toward the new edge. I have, you know, three new edge Mustangs in my driveway and an SN95. That, that kind of tells people when they see him, you know, oh, he likes new edges. <laughs> oh, shit, right? So, yeah, I would definitely go the new edge. <laughs> so, our last but question is I gonna... do. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Nope. Uh, I do like the S550s, but. That's the latest? One? Go ahead. Is the S550? That's the latest chassis. Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, like, I'm a Chevy guy, but, you know, I do like Mustangs to a certain extent. I just could never own one. Like, yeah. I just couldn't <laughs> wrap my head around owning one and then show up to my dad's house and him be like, get the fuck out. What if he showed up and he had a Chevy motor in it? <laughs> uh, he, he would ask me why I wasted my money on that when I could have put a Chevy motor in a Chevy. Because <laughs> um, it's... There's a lot of people I know that do that. They have Mustangs. They put a Chevy motor in. I get it. Some people have their own ways. But... Go ahead. Hey, man. The LS works. Um, we got a <laughs> Hard Parker S2K asking, what do the dudes at Rockstar Garage do for you, Eddie? He's making it weird. Oh, man. <laughs> that guy. Oh, that guy. I always wondered if, if anybody that I knew was going to ask questions. He, uh, well, for instance, uh, he is actually one of my crew guys. Um, he crewed at one or two of the events for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the guys at Rockstar take care of me. Um, I actually worked with them briefly before I got my other job at Aerospace. Um, they're really cool dudes. Those guys, 
they're into the S2000s. They're starting to get into the Corvettes now. Um, they do a lot of road course stuff. Uh, really cool shit. Um, they definitely helped me out a lot with their uh, with their tires, changing tires over. Um, Aiden's my dude who does all my tires, and that dude. We've had some killer days where we've had some tires uh, going on some rims that we were installing backwards, I guess you can say. <laughs> I'll save that for another day. But, um, yeah, they take care of me with a, with a, the tires, uh, tire mounting and um, the alignments. All my alignments, you know, having an IRS now, it's like, it's not like, oh, just worry about getting the front end aligned like a solid axle car. I got to, you know, have the rear of the car aligned now. So those dudes do a lot for me. Um, you know, as far as that goes, you know, all my tire changing and uh, my uh, my alignments. All right. That's, I know I need to find some, well, I just can't afford to have OC mobile alignment come out here right now. That's another thing <laughs> is I want to get that done too, is like have a legitimate alignment, not something I keep fucking eyeballing. Um, yeah. Because he'll like corner balance it and everything. But it's yeah. just like, I don't want to waste that money if I don't get, like, a legitimate, you know, at least some, like, adjustable control arms up front because I have nothing to work with right now. Yeah, so. trying to line stock stuff's kind of shitty. Kinda yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. Alrighty, man. I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, if you would like to do a sponsor shout-out, please do so. And where can people reach you? Um. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, my Instagram is eddie underscore drift um it says e-d-d-i-e underscore d-r-i-f-t um you can find me on instagram um i don't have a youtube channel people have been bugging me about doing a youtube i just honestly don't have the time i i can't find the time so i'm just gonna stick to instagram i am on facebook it's a little a little different on facebook so just add me on instagram um if you want to follow along my build progress my season everything else that i do um sponsor shout outs to everybody that's helped me out and i mean everybody not just sponsors but you know friends and family um you know drifting and, and racing is a lot about people coming together and making it happen and i think that gets overlooked a lot but uh you know i'm thankful thankful for all that um I'm not going to name any names for for anything just because there's so much we'd be here for like another 20 minutes if i did so Everybody that's helped me with this car, sponsor-wise, friends, uh, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, like I said, looking forward to 2020 season and seeing what 2020 has in store for us. Well, good luck next year. Hopefully you can uh, fit, complete a whole season this time without any issue. Yeah. Yeah, but... that's the plan. So... But thank you for finally coming on, man. It is getting late, and I have to be up super early, unfortunately. So you have a good night, oh, sir, man. and I will you see too. you around, man. All right, man. All right, see you.